0: Everybody welcome back to the Mainland podcast. We're at uh, episode 22 now. I am Michael Citro from the mainland.com. Joining me is Kevin Mercer, one of our senior columnists. Kevin, uh, how you doing tonight, buddy?
1: I'm doing good, Michael. How are you?
0: Well, you know, I, I, I'm doing okay, you know. It's 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 tough to uh to go through a game like we went through Saturday night where it would just um you know, it seemed like right off the get-go, you give up a goal early and then you know, the, the, the comeback or attempt to get a, something out of the game is taken away from you by uh, something just completely out of your control. Um, and it's bizarre because now there's been three games in a row we've had uh, a player sent off, and I'm starting to get a little bit tired of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we all are.
0: So I guess I want to start out by uh, just kind of getting your overall thoughts on well, what took place on Saturday night and, uh, of course, the big talking point is the red card on Kyle Laren. So kind of tell me what you think you saw and what you saw in the replay and where you think this appeal thing might kind of go.
1: We'll, we'll start with the red card, will we? <laughs> um, you know, I, I've got a pretty good, from my seats, I've got a pretty good vantage point of that of that spot on the field. And it looked like a bad tackle. It looked like a slow tackle. He was late. Um, he was definitely late to the tackle, and he kind of went through question. Uh, you um, know, it kind of it looked like a, a clumsy tackle to me from from in you know in the moment live. I kind of thought mm. that was a bad tackle, but I really was surprised he got any card at all. Um, I thought it was just kind of a real because he cause it was slow. It wasn't a, a hard crunching you know right. uh, take the body out kind of tackle. It, he kind of got there late and just kind of moved through him slowly and then and, and kind of stood up and question fell down. So I didn't think much of it at the moment. Um, like all Orlando City fans, we've been watching that um, play on uh, – on, I think I probably watched it 35 times now. Um, okay. And, you know, I play soccer. I still play soccer, and I've done that tackle a number of times. Um, I, I actually put it, put it on Twitter today that I would challenge you know, officials to come show me how I'm supposed to tackle somebody with one foot um, and not come up with a little bit of stud showing. You know, it wasn't studs towards the player. Um, I mean, he never hit the player. He went right through his legs.
0: Right. And,
1: um, you know, so I thought it was a clumsy challenge, but I didn't think it was an, a, you know, a, what do they call it, a dangerous challenge or, or un, mm-hmm. unlawful challenge in the sense of like a, a higher, you know, higher crime than just simply a foul. Um, it certainly was a foul. I would never argue it was <laughs> not a foul. Um, but I would certainly argue it was not more than that um, at the end of the day. What did you think? Well, my initial thought was, okay, that, that's that's a foul.
0: And then I didn't really expect any card of any color to come out. Um, So it, it really shocked me when it was a red. I was like, when he went to the pocket, I was like, is he really going to card him for that? And then the red came out. And, and like you, I thought he was coming. He's clearly looking at the ball, not looking at the collection. I'm not even sure he knew collection was there, to be honest yeah. with you. He's looking at the ball coming in. He slides in. He gets in between uh, clutching his legs, and from where I was sitting in the press box, it it didn't look like there was any contact, or only some glancing contact, if any. And so I thought, okay, well, I I guess he's giving him a free kick. And then pulls out the red card, and I was like, well, game's ruined. (laughs) And when we watched the replay in the press box, I mean, everyone in the press box just kind of groaned at not only the fact that he didn't, actually touched the player until he stood up. Um but also that the the reaction that question had, I think, uh was a big turnoff for a lot of the media. Um, I mean he's holding his shin, howling and rolling around like he'd been, you know, shot there. And it's that's the kind of thing I think as soccer fans, we shouldn't put up with that crap. Because that's what gives the sport a bad name to people that don't like soccer really. Um is You know they oh a bunch of fakers and babies and blah blah blah. You know you hear it from people that don't like soccer that you know. I mean it's it's an age old argument. Um, as far as the stud show and I've I've argued with well not really argued I've mostly ignored them. But there's been a lot of New York Red Bulls fans that have been on us because we uh, we tweeted out the uh, uh, a screen cap of the uh, Wikipedia page that someone had cleverly put. Uh, Sasha Kleschen had added to his Wikipedia page that he was uh, under consideration for an Oscar, um, for Best Actor. And basically, what I've been arguing with them is that they keep saying, "Well, he shouldn't come in with a stud showing him." I don't know how you slide with your foot pointed and toes first, because if you do that, your studs actually catch in the turf and you tear up your knee. Right. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure that you can 100%. He didn't actually lift his leg toward the player or have his studs in an upward position. They were flat, and he raised his leg slightly when the ball took a slight bounce, but he put his leg immediately down before he even reached clutch. And if you watch it in slow motion, you can clearly see he got his foot back on the ground before he went into to where the player was. So it was very harsh, and it was like his first or second foul of the game, yeah. and Kyle Larrant, Kyle Aaron is not a dirty player. He's never been a dirty player. As far as I know, I don't know have a, a great deal of knowledge about his college days, but certainly since he's been in MLS, he's not gotten a ton of cards or anything. I mean, I, I think that's the other thing that I think bothered a lot of people was that the referee didn't make the, the call. The fourth official actually made the call. Right. Well, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but I think basically I know that the, the – Referee's assistant, fourth official, everybody's there to help the referee call the game and, and to make it the right call. But if you're going to do something of that magnitude, you need to be pretty sure of what you saw so that that person is just kind of confirming what you saw.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you said a couple of things I want to kind of go back towards really fast, if you don't mind. First thing is the idea of sure. fans. Um, You know, around me, I've got a lot of fans who are from elsewhere, Um, people who are coming into the league from brazil from england i think it was a guy from uh ireland in front of me and that on top of you've got people watching all over the world now through these different um you know different tv deals you know this is something that i'm a lifelong soccer fan i get it i understand bad calls happen but people who are new to the game or people who are new to new to mls you know, they don't have to put up with it. This is something they're not invested in yet. I'm invested in, in Orlando City. I'll probably go, I'd go if they got a red card every week. You know, I'd still show up. <laughs> you know, that's not, It's not going to change my love of the team or the anything. You know, right. But some people who are trying to get used to the, the, the game are going to be turned off if your team gets red carded every week. That's, you know, it just doesn't, it's just not fun. If you look at the first, you know, what was it, whatever, six to eight minutes of the game, it was a fun game. Um, I'm not sure Orlando was going to win that game. I thought the Red Bulls <laughs> were a really talented team. Uh, I thought they, they should a lot, but I thought we should a lot too. And I thought it was going to be a very, very good game. I was excited about that game. The red card changes that game, and it really makes it unfun for us. I mean, I, I really kind of, you know, my heart sank. Uh, the here we go again, kind of feeling. Uh-huh. And, and I don't, you know, I don't want to feel that way every week. That's, you know, that's painful. I mean, <laughs> as a fan, as someone who watches this team. It's painful to see a guy who just got back from the Gold Cup, we're excited to see him play again, and then he leaves, you know, not even, you know, what, I don't know when, when the red card. 30,
0: 32 minutes. It was 32 minutes was the red card, and, of course, he'll miss the next game unless they win the appeal.
1: Right, and, and I, just that, that's heartbreaking. You know, that's not fun to watch. And I think that uh, Adrian, he said it best, is that, you know, we're talking about the referee. We're not talking about things we should, we should be talking about. Um, 30-something thousand people were there not to watch the referees make those calls. You know, they're there to watch the, the players. They're there to watch the atmosphere. And that kind of red card changes everything. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I get, I get the idea that, you know, the Red Bull fans were frustrated with us. I understand that because if it was our way, I'm not sure I would have thought much of it. But I thought that question. if you look at question, the yellow card was on him too. And he also tried to draw the penalty in front of the box, or the, not the penalty, but a free kick right in front of the box early on in kind of a dramatic fashion. Sasha is mm-hmm. a really good player. At one point, I really enjoyed watching him play. It's frustrating to see somebody who's a very, very good player act like that. Right. You know, constantly draw these kind of ticky-tacky fouls to undermine the entire game. You know, I can't willingly say that he's a great player if he does things that undermines the beautiful game. You know, it's kind of a crime against the game, so yeah. to speak. You know, it just doesn't work. It really way. is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it it really is and that's my kind of my point is that is that we need to hold players accountable to that kind of behavior. Certainly we don't want to see dangerous challenges. That's right. not what we want. Oh. We don't want we don't pl- want players to get hurt. We don't want careers to end. So, you know, you have to walk that line, but I mean, when you act like that, it's to me it's almost worse because you are trying to get the referee to believe that a player did something malicious that he didn't actually do. Right. And so To me, I think that's the kind of thing that I would love to see the commissioner, I don't know what the commissioner's actual powers are in in terms of the CBA or whatever, but I would love to see him come out and say, Look, I've reviewed the thing, you're gone for five games. Right. Because we're not gonna have that in our league. We're just not gonna have that kind of behavior. If you give guys that kind of suspension without pay, that will stop. All of that behavior will stop. And you know, I get that guys are on you know, working the edge of the rule book and trying to get every advantage they can and you know what, good for him. He got an advantage for his team. But the bottom line is, to, if you're going to do that, you need to be aware that there are consequences for it. You know, because if, as you said, like let's say I'm a guy who maybe I don't make that much money, and I decided, you know, I'm going to bring my, my three kids and my wife. And we're going to go see a game, but I want a decent seat. You know, at least maybe not midfield, but maybe you know above the penalty area, something you know on the sideline, and maybe that's a forty or fifty dollar ticket. So you you multiply that, you know, times five, you got a family of five you've spent a lot of money and now the game at 32 minutes is ruined and you've spent all that money and you know, your team has very little chance of getting anything out of it.
1: Yeah. You know, that's exactly it. You know, I mean, it just, it becomes hard to watch and, and, you know, I thought we played well after the red card. Uh, I thought we really tried, especially watching the replays again today. Um, I think my heart <laughs> was hurt. <laughs> I couldn't really cheer for some of the choices we had. But afterward, you realize we did make a lot of really good opportunities after. There's not a lot of Red Bulls uh, highlights after the, the red card, but, except yeah. for their goal. Um, but, you know, and, and to, to wrap up a uh, question, you know, if he walks out of there with one goal, it ends one nothing, 12 or 11 versus 11, you know, end of the day, there's a lot of Orlando City fans that walk out of there, quiet, kind of shyly admitting they're pretty, they're pretty big question fans because that was a beautiful goal, and he's a good yeah. player. You know, if he doesn't do that, we all kind of walk away going, God, we got beat by a good goal. That that was a rough night, but gosh, it was fun to be at the stadium and it was fun to cheer on the lads, and you know, that's great. That, you know, that's the difference between that. And I, I, you know, I don't think he'll ever hear this podcast, but I kind of wish I could tell him that, like, that's the difference. Like, you know, me enjoying the game and and quietly admitting that my my foe is very very good versus me going wow you're kind of a cheater you know yeah right so you know it it was what it was i i agree i it
0: was a, it was a good fight shown by orlando city they definitely tried to still get points out of the game they had some opportunities um carlos rivas is going to score some free kick goals in his career i mean he is just he's so sneaky powerful um robles knew the the shots were coming and he still had to like Parry shots that ordinarily you would catch from that distance, right? And some of them came pretty close to sneak in by him. So uh, just a sneaky amount of power that Carlos Rivas has on those free kicks. Uh, there were some good chances. I thought the problem with Orlando's attack was that they they tried and, and you know credit Red Bulls because they kind of forced this, but they tried to make uh, everything kind of happen in the air yeah. and against the two very good center backs. That's a pretty difficult thing to do. Plus. Uh Red Bulls were pretty content to put you know at least eight guys behind the ball most of the night, so it was always gonna be tough to do that it you were always almost gonna have to go you know with a quick interchange play around the top of the box to free somebody up for a, a scoring opportunity rather than going over the top um but uh you know, I guess we'll never know if uh you know if, if, if Orlando City could have taken something out of that game uh you know had Laren not been sent off because. It just kind of changed the whole complexion of the game, and then Rivas is playing up as a as a lone striker again, where he ha- it hasn't been a strong suit when when they switch it to a four four one. But let me let's just wrap up the Red Bulls because there's really not much else we can say about that game. It was just uh, you know it was a good goal to open up. Granted, uh, you know they gave collection too much space. He took advantage of it and, and and you know hit a screamer from the top of the box that Tally Hall couldn't get to, and and that. Put Orlando on the back foot, but I think it, it was shape enough to be a good game. I really thought it was going to be a high-scoring game between those two teams, uh, but then the the red card kind of changed the complexion. So, uh, Kevin, who was your man of the match for the for the game?
1: I'm going to have to say it was Rivas. Uh, you know, when you look back at the um, at the highlights, he had four or five shots that really, you know, on a different night would have gone in. Uh, I think that he kept. The team going in a lot of ways. I think he made some bad plays, um, and I don't think he was a perfect uh, perfect man of the match, but he certainly was. I think a good player on the evening. Um, I think you'll mm-hmm. also you have to look at uh, again. You know, Aurelien Collin had a great night, I thought as well too. So yeah, I'm a, I,
0: I picked Darwin Sarin. I did the grades this week, and I picked Darwin Sarin because of his his. Uh, I think he was second highest passing percentage. Uh, had the most touches. Uh, was breaking up plays left and right and and turning defense into offense. I thought that he did a good job. Also, I think he drew like five free kicks there in the second half. Yeah. So um, he was doing a good job.
1: I can never go against that idea, too. (laughs) So, um,
0: yeah, there you have it. That's our our man of the match. Uh, But it's not all bad news, uh, Orlando City fans. We also played another game since we last spoke to you, and that was an international friendly against West Bromwich Albion. English Premier League side, and that one went much, much more better, more better, much better, Kevin. (laughs) Uh, Orlando City winning 3-1, all three designated players with goals for Orlando City, and um, give me your uh, overall thoughts on that game.
1: Well, you know, going into that, I don't think any Orlando City fan wanted that game to happen. Uh, You know, we felt depleted, we felt injured, uh, we felt like that was a really bad idea for a game, and... um, Luckily, we were wrong. I think that was a great game for the team's confidence. You saw a lot of the young guys playing, and mm-hmm. that can only be good for those guys. Um, you know, these games are a little misleading because you've got an EPL team that's not in mid-season form. Um, right. I was back there when we beat Newcastle, and I you know, called my, my friends and family and said, oh, they're going to have an awful year. I, I'm predicting it now. And then they actually had a pretty good year that year. So um, it's not the most... Uh, You know, I wouldn't say we can take too much from it in terms of trying to beat an English team. But I think guys like Redding, Tyler Turner, um, you know, Estrella had a great game, I thought. Um, You know, some of those guys had really good games and really built some confidence. Brian Rochez with getting the goal, you know. This is, I think, was a good game for those guys to have. And I think in the midst of a long season and maybe when we don't need another game – it went as well as it could. And I think it certainly should be a confidence booster for all those young guys.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, a lot of surprises in that game. First of all, Connor Donovan playing. Yeah. Uh,
1: he
0: he broke the elbow just a few weeks ago and it was supposed to be a pretty significant um, injury to keep him out. I heard at least a month when, when I was originally told what his injury was. So to go from, he hadn't even really been training, <laughs> to go from that to to starting the game, and uh, another surprise to me, Rochez, who was certainly not fit, goes the full ninety, and you could tell at fifty-five minutes he had nothing left. He had absolutely nothing left, and he still scored in the last ten minutes of the game. Um, so a couple of surprises there. It was nice to see Tommy Redding get some play, and he actually played pretty well.
1: Also, awesome,
0: yeah, um, I, I I really enjoyed that. We saw. Um, I think Orlando City came out with the idea, I think it looked like this anyway, that they were going to possess the ball. And that was their intent, was to possess the ball and just see if they could break West Brom down. And they were going to just try to be very careful with the ball. Anytime they were pressured, they went backwards. Anytime anybody came near them, they made the safe play. And it was like, we're going to hang on to the ball. We're going to frustrate you a little bit. And if you can counterattack off us, you know, Good for you, but we're not going to make it easy by turning the ball over cheaply. And, and I really thought they did a good job. If that was the game plan, it certainly worked, because I don't think those those Englishmen certainly wilted in the second half. The second half was just absolute domination, yeah. I thought. Um, but it, it still started out with you know a goal kind of against the run of play. West Brom takes the lead, a mistake by Tyler Turner. And it's it's one of those things where you – This could have been an ugly game because you could have said, you know, the guys didn't need the game. It didn't mean anything. Guys were wanting to rest and all that stuff. And then right before the half, Kaka just says, screw this. We're scoring. (laughs) He's like, I know that I'm coming out of the game at halftime. I know that it's almost halftime. I'm not letting this end like this. I'm just going to take the ball. (laughs) He took a pass from Carlos Rivas in the center circle, ran about 45 yards, through about two, three guys, and just, you know, powered a shot into the far corner. And I think that made all the difference in the world entering halftime because that was right on the death of the first half. And the team came out in the second half and just really didn't give West Brom the ball at all. Just said, we're going to keep it. And they made more chances after the half. Uh, Rivas was dangerous. Uh, then they got, you know, Ribeiro on the field and Ribeiro set up. Brian Rochez for the third goal, but it was there were a lot more chances than just those two goals in the second half. They they could have easily scored another two or three goals.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think Kaká's goal. Uh, you know, my comment was on that one was this is what he came to Orlando to do. This is what we envisioned when we saw all Kaká's coming. We kind of thought that was gonna happen every week, you know, in in, in our, in our <laughs> fantasies, you know, in the fantasy of right. our brain of thinking Kaká playing at the Citrus Bowl. We were hoping that that would happen all the time, and we've learned that it's hard in MLS to do that, but for one night, for one moment, we saw Kaká do something that we really really enjoyed watching. I mean, it just looked like a kid on a on a playground just playing with boys. It was fantastic. It was a fantastic goal. If you haven't seen it yet, go find the re- replay and watch it again.
0: Yeah, it's a, I mean, all you can do is say wow. And I actually watched that game last Wednesday from the stands. It was the first time all year I've actually got to sit in the stands, although I didn't sit because I was in the supporter section. So we were standing the whole game. Good. And it was one of those things where it just looked like a nothing play. It's like, okay, he took the pass in the midfield. Okay, there he goes. And then he just looked like some like kind of light bulb went on in his head. And he just went, I can do this. And he just ran. And he just like accelerated to like, whatever full speed he's capable of. He doesn't have the speed he used to have, but... He was getting by guys left and right. Like, he took everybody by surprise. Guys were looking at him. And then, uh, at the end of it, a, a wonderful little run off of him by Brian Roach has pulled two defenders with him and it allowed Kaka the space to shoot that ball. And it was, it was a really great goal. Revis's was a great goal. That the, the free kick, you can't take one better than no, that. No, you
1: really can't. Can you? That that, wrapped, that wrapped oh. right in front of me. I had the best view of that. And that was a rocket. I mean, that was like, yeah. You know, I couldn't even react fast enough to that goal. I don't know how a goalie could have either.
0: 25 or so yards away and just upper 90. Uh, by the time the keeper saw the ball over the wall, there was no chance for him to get to it. Um, really great goal. And then Roches uh, finished it off. As, as I said, Roches looked, he looked gassed from about 55 minutes on, but he just kept going, and he was going to leave him out there. It's like, okay, this is how we're getting you in shape. We're just going to make you run all night. Yeah. <laughs> In the in the hot Florida, you know, <laughs> humid Florida conditions, um, it's it's always hard to pick one of these because of the fact that most of the players only played like half a game or whatever. But and it's a friendly. But who was your man of the match last Wednesday? Yeah, you know, I, I think, think
1: that I think that you, know, you bring up the best point about that goal for Kaká is that it was a game changer and it and it really showed that this this is a game we want to win. And I think it's a it's a goal for the. It's a goal for Orlando's memories. You know, I think that that, that is a goal that we should see in the future, um, you know, 10 years from now, and they're, they're showing the highlight reel of this season. I hope that goal makes it. Um, this is worthy, I believe. Um, so I'm going to give it to Kaka. You know, you're right. There's a lot of players who could get it. I mean, certainly a lot of players have played a lot longer than Kaka I'd probably, you know, toughed it out a little bit more than he did for the evening. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that game, that goal changed the game, and I think that opened up. The rest of the half to the other guys, so I think you really have you have to give it to the the captain that night. I think.
0: I agree with you. I think it was just one of those moments where he's like, I want I want to get something out of this game, and I'm going to make it happen. And he showed that he can still take over a game and affect the outcome on his own if he wants to. Um, you know, and and you know he's not going to be able to do that every game. He's not going to be able to do that against like an inf- you know a totally informed DC United defense or whatever. Uh, that's ready for him and knows and understands him but on that night he caught those guys all thinking how the old guy's gonna pass the ball and he never did <laughs>
1: he he's had a and, couple goals this year i think where you can see him he, it, and it's hard to like explain i don't know how to like, explain it totally but a look in his eye or just his body language where you see all of a sudden he changes and he's like i'm gonna whatever it takes to score right now i'm gonna do that and he's done it a couple times and i'm I'm still pretty impressed by that. That shows a really elite athlete, kind of almost like a Michael Jordan kind of moment where he's like, I'm going to put this on my shoulders and do it. So,
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's is, is—it's it not something you can really explain. You just know it when you see it. And, um, he, you know, it, it seemed like he did that against New York on Saturday night, but the, the shot that he took was blocked.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, he
0: came to the top of the box. He had a good look. He ripped it. The defender kind of bailed out, not wanting to get hit with the shot because it had a lot of power on it, and it just kind of skipped up the back of his leg. Yeah, and it threw the shot off. But it, I mean, that was one of those moments where if he gets it around that leg, it's probably a goal, and it could change, could have changed the whole complexion of the game. But uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> so, uh, so there we go. We, we it's busy fixtures this week. We've got we've got two games ahead. We don't have any guests this week because it's just just too much. There's just too much going on uh but we will play Wednesday night US Open Cup match at Chicago against the Fire. Um uh, Orlando City's 1-0 against the Fire this year, uh having played them in MLS play at Chicago at Toyota Park um about a month ago I guess it was. Uh two own goals helped there, but of course those own goals were largely helped by Orlando City players, so uh we're going to take them and we're going to count them. <laughs> I I did. <laughs> and uh, and Kyle Larin scored a, a screamer there but he obviously well actually he can play in the uh, US Open yeah. Cup play. he just can't play in the next MLS game. Yeah. So um ah, so that'll be interesting. Also it should be mentioned uh Saturday night uh again or Sunday I'm sorry, Sunday afternoon against uh, New York City FC. We will also not see Chris Krishnagita who got a yellow card uh in that in that match on Saturday as I think you mentioned that uh uh you know collection went down Easy, clutching his face, got the foul called, and Igita was mad because he took the ball cleanly away and he knew it, and he got mad and kicked the ball after the whistle, and that drew the yellow. So, uh, he is yellow card suspension. So, we won't have him, and we won't have Laren for, uh, New York City FC, which will suddenly have, oh my God, Frank Lampard finally. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> And possibly Pirlo, although I'm, I've heard from people that Pierlo is not going to start playing games until August, so I don't know if, if Pirlo is actually going to play. He may be in the 18. We'll see. Um, so other big doings. Uh, so as I mentioned, we've got, we've got the game Wednesday at Chicago, back in MLS play on Sunday at New York City FC, first trip to Yankee Stadium. That ought to be fun. And um, in the meantime... Big news coming out today. A lot of news today, actually. Let's start with the All-Star game, Kevin. Okay. All right, so Kaká was named captain of the All-Star team today, the MLS All-Stars, which will play Tottenham Hotspur. Um, It was a Snapchat vote for fans. Um, Surprising to you that Kaká won it over uh, Michael Bradley and um, Robbie Keane, or not
1: surprising? Not surprising. I think, uh, you know, I think Kaká is popular. Um, I think that he's, you know as we've discussed with some of our other fellow bloggers we've had on on the you know the, they want they want to dislike kaka but he's a likable guy i mean i think yeah. when yeah. when you think about this kind of idea of fan voting and you know some people love it some people hate it um it kind of it all depends on on your perspective of the game um but if you're going to have a fan vote and you're going to have a popularity contest kaka there's nobody more popular than kaka i mean he's got more twitter followers than really the rest of twitter probably um yeah and <laughs> He's just a phenomenal guy. I mean, I, you know, and I think we've we, we've talked about it, and personally, and probably on the on the podcast as well, that you know our interactions with Kaká have been shockingly nice. Um, I didn't know what to expect uh, meeting him and talking to him, um, but he's this very very nice person and as humble as can be. After that rough New York uh, loss, uh, he was out signing autographs till 11:30 at night. Um, mm-hmm. Not something he has to do. Um, but something he does do because I think he, he understands his, his role in the team and his role in the league. So, you know, not surprised at all. He's a fantastic captain and a fantastic, fantastic representative of MLS. So I think that that's a, a win-win for everybody.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, my friend Jerry, he, he called me the day after the game, I think it was, he said, my wife met Kaká today. Apparently she works at a clinic or of some sort. I'm not exactly sure what she does, but – I think she's some sort of administrator, and he came in to visit, apparently as a friend or somebody he knows has uh, has two kids that um, they're special needs kids, and they, they were in there, uh, and he was there visiting and just showing his support. And while he was there, he took pictures and autographed uh, and signed autographs for, like, every member of the staff in this entire place. So um, just – and it was his day off. So it was just an incredible – you know, gesture on his part to to make himself that available. He's, as you mentioned, a humble guy who you, you've never if you met him in the street, you'd never know he was like a world known superstar. No, not at all. <laughs> he just he doesn't give that vibe. He doesn't act like that at all. You would never know it. He's just Ricky.
1: <laughs> yeah, he really is. He really is just kind of this going person that I mean, I could almost imagine having dinner with him and just and it not being weird at all. know, <laughs> just being like, right. you know, and you would probably never even talk about soccer
0: the whole time like unless you brought it yeah. up cuz he probably would you know he would just talk about anything he would ask you how your day is he's that kind of guy so it's it's nice that uh, Orlando City got that uh, honor uh, our first year in the league we have the all-star captain he is the only uh member of Orlando City who uh, made the all-star game proper but there are two players named to the homegrown game although uh, one is Harrison Heath and he won't be able to play because of his Uh, knee injury against West Brom, which was uh, two knee injuries now in two friendlies if you're counting at home. Um, And, uh, of course, Tyler Turner made it as well. So Tyler Turner is going to be playing for Coach Landon Donovan, (laughs) or Don Ovan. Uh, And uh, so that's pretty cool. So they're going to be playing against Club America's U-20 team, so... um, for some random reason, they're playing a U-20 team from Mexico. That's <laughs> it's a little that's... bit
1: random, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Just the same age, but at the same time, it's also like I would say maybe like a like an all-star team from Mexico of U-20 players or something it would make more sense. So, but
0: right. So I mean, that's all of this is very nice. It's all honorifics and great and that kind of thing, but it's it doesn't mean much in the whole grand scheme of things, other than the fact that uh. A couple of extra guys uh, are gonna have some extra travel.
1: <laughs> yeah, a couple extra <laughs> guys have some extra travel. I think it's good to fly the flag a little bit. You've got guys representing yeah. the team. That's always good. Um, it'll be a game that's watched by everybody, um, so that's good. Um, and I think too, because you know you, you do have a lot of neutral fans in MLS. Um, it, we were neutral before we had a team in Florida, and yeah. you know people that don't have a club near them, you know they'll, they they pay attention to MLS and they pay attention to games like this, and it can certainly win over some fans for us. Um, I think especially too for Tyler Turner, it'll be a good experience for him. I and mean, he's a young player who's I think been learning probably every day since about two years ago when he first got signed. Um and I think it'd be a good experience for him to go and travel and and be kind of part of a big event, but also, you know, meet some of the other young players and, and Landon Donovan of course is a cool guy a cool guy to meet as well. So I'm sure somebody he's always uh, looked up to. So um I I think it's all win win as long as everyone comes home uninjured, I think it's win win, so
0: yeah, it would be a nice, uh, nice little publicity for Orlando City. Uh, so finally, we got one more big item that we need to talk about. That's uh, the big trade that happened today, Kevin. Yeah, so Amobi a Okugo had had kind of fallen out of favor, uh, had fallen out of the starting 11. And uh, even in the friendly, I think he, he started as a center back, didn't even play his position, his uh, midfield, typical midfield position. Um, he is no longer an Orlando City Lion. He's the first... Original MLS Lion to leave, and he has gone to Sporting Kansas City in exchange for defensive midfielder Servando Carrasco, who is from San Diego but grew up in Tijuana, Mexico. And um, I'm told that he's a very good defender, uh, has sometimes struggled with his passing, which has kind of kept him from reaching his full potential as, a, as an MLS starter. Um, a, a very much a like-for-like like sort of swap Um we're not exactly sure what, what the details are behind the scenes. Rumor is that um, Sporting KC has agreed to some sort of future considerations as well. And also, in addition, Orlando City has agreed. And again, this is just uh, what we've seen reported. This is not something that the the, the teams publicize. Uh, Orlando City potentially giving some cap relief to Sporting Kansas City uh, to sort of offset some of Omobi Okugo's Salary. Amobio Cugo makes 300 grand a year. Uh, Servando Carrasco makes 85 grand a year. So, totally a money move here for Orlando City, but why the money move? Is it just that they don't want to have a $300,000 player on the bench or is it that they want to free up a little bit of money to make some further moves during this transfer window? What do you think, Kevin?
1: That's the mystery, isn't it? Um, you know, and i got to say, I'm sad to see Kugo go because he was my first interview in MLS, so I, I really and I thought he was a great guy, personally. I thought he was a really good guy. I was always kind of hoping he would find a way to make it back in the starting lineup. Um, and I think that, but I think it's still a good trade. I think it's the right trade to make, if he's not being utilized, it's good for the player, it's good for the team. Um, as for the, 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 the why is in-house for this, um, it looks like a chess move. Um, it looks like something, we, you know, we didn't have to do it. Uh, certainly, yep. we could have kept him on the bench as insurance. Um, you know, I certainly think he's in. you know, I think that his best is still yet to come. Um, I, I don't think he's a bad player by any means, and I think he, he will play very, very well for Sporting Kansas City. Um, I you know I think we got a, a decent player in, in in return. I think we you know certainly somebody who can contribute this season, um, but not necessarily somebody I think is going to be a huge contributor for us. So it doesn't look like that trade is necessarily about the player as much as it is about that cap space, which makes us all start asking questions. Um, when you have these future considerations added, um, you know we have a, a certain uh, Don Dwyer that we all have a, a celebrity soccer crush on over here, in Orlando. <laughs> um, that we all want to bring him back home, um, and and not to mention we've also got Chicharito rumors. We've got all these other rumors flying around everywhere about adding players, about you know, changing the way we're going to structure our club so that one of our designated players is not is no longer a designated players. So we're going to move people around. There's a lot mm-hmm. of of moving pieces, as they say, and um, I think this will this trade today will make more sense in two weeks or one week or whenever that, whenever the next trade happens, we'll all of a sudden go, Oh, that makes, that makes total sense. You know, right now it's kind of an algebra problem that we haven't really gotten fully into yet. Um, we're only beginning to answer right now. So,
0: yeah, I think it's the first domino. I don't think everything's fallen yet. That is going to fall. I think this is uh, you know, I've, I've, I've dealt with some questions on the site of some fans, not sure why we're doing this. Don't really like the trade why aren't we going after blah, blah, blah. Why aren't we doing this? It's like, you don't just do one thing in the transfer window. Sometimes you have to make one move to set up another move, especially if you're talking about bringing in somebody that's going to cost a lot of money. Uh, Right there, you, you can see the disparity in the salary. Kugo was just making just kind of three quarters of a, of a, of a DP uh, salary. And you're bringing in a guy in his place that makes 85 grand. So, Uh, A lot of people listen to this podcast and make more money than the player we just got. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a pretty good chunk of change to put towards something else. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I have a feeling that this front office is going to do something great that we haven't even thought of or hasn't even been rumored at. Like right now you're thinking, okay – the Chicharito thing seems to have quieted down. It seems like, okay, Louis Van Hall brought him back to Manchester United. He's supposed to report on the 25th. He's going to be training with the team. That doesn't mean he's not going to be sold. That just means for right now, they're not getting any kind of offers that's making them say, okay, Chicharito, you stay home. You know, you recuperate from your injury and, you know, we'll let you know if you're coming here or not. So right now, it, it could be a little posturing. It could be like, they're not getting the offers they want, so they're going to bring the player in and sort of, I don't know, play a little bit of a bluff move. Sure,
1: make, make more um, viable the club all of a sudden, you know.
0: Right. I mean, you could, you could could be there could be a lot of reasons for that. Or it might mean nothing at all. It might just been, been planned all along that after the Gold Cup, was going to come back to the club, and then if they sell him, they sell him. Um, and then, you know, the Dom Dwyer thing, I really just think that that's not something that's going to happen, at least not in the summer transfer window. I think that's something that maybe it happens down the road, but I really, at some point, you have, to, you have to have a reality check and say, how much is he worth, you know, spending? How much do, should we spend on it? You know, at some point, that, that money becomes too much. It's like, okay, it would be nice to have him, but not if they're going to charge us that much. It's just like, you know, anything else that you want to buy in life. It's like, ooh, I'd really like to have the 70 inch TV, but mm, I could probably only can kind of afford the 50. You know,
1: that's so realistic. I, I can't hear it. I'm I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know it would be great to have Dom. I mean, we certainly need a, a quality striker that's consistent, um, so, sort of show the, the ropes to the young kids and, you know, certainly he'd be, he'd be, you know, really good at that. But I think this front office, I just have a feeling they're working on something that's, it's going to be good, but it's something that's kind of c- going to come out of left field.
1: And, and, and I, I think, I think it's, you're right, actually, to be honest. I think that's actually a good good punditry from you um, on this, actually. I think that you probably <laughs> have a really good point.
0: We shall see. I
1: don't know. You know, one thing, uh, really fast, one thing I was thinking about with uh, this trade in MLS is, is I don't know, and I'm sure some of our listeners have played the, uh, the game Football Manager, uh, which is a very, very complex, detailed game about managing football clubs all over the world. And most of us, you know, you play Europe or England, it, it makes sense, it's very simple, very straightforward, you kind of trade this guy, trade, the, you know, buy this guy, buy that guy. When you play MLS, it is the most complicated league to play, and it's almost impossible sometimes to understand all the rules. And I think when you have a, a trade like this today, it's part of the idea that there's so many things going on that you just don't even understand, because MLS has all these kind of complex ideas of how to keep parity happening, and... um mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, I really do think, and it kind of goes back to your first idea, that there's something else going on that we don't totally know about. Uh, this was the first part of that idea, and I think you're exactly right. So,
0: <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting to see how this how this all shakes out. The last bit of news that we got today uh, was fairly late in the day. We're hearing that um, uh, Sao Paulo owes a lot of money to Orlando City uh, as part of the Kaká deal, and as much as $4.3 million, perhaps. And from what we've what we understand, and this is being reported by a, a pretty reputable um soccer writer that covers South American soccer, uh apparently Orlando City's willing to give up the money if um Sao Paulo will transfer over Paulo Enrique Ganso, who played with Kaka at Sao Paulo this past uh, this past season. And uh he would be an interesting player for a few reasons. Number one, I guess he's not been in his greatest form this current season, or this, this recent season, but he's a player that's has played at a high level before. He's 25 years old, so he's still got a lot of soccer left in him, and he can play that right side midfielder, attacking midfielder position, uh, that has been vacated by the injury to Kevin Molino. So, very intriguing player. He's a guy that knows Kaka. Um, has played with Kaká and, you know, obviously the Brazilian connection with Flavio da Silva and Kaká and the whole, uh, really the whole staff makes this a very intriguing and very realistic uh, target.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, you have to imagine that when the front office starts talking about these ideas and, and, you know, they have these, they have, you know, they have team dinners and and they're, they're all hanging out together and they say, Kaká, what do you want? You know, what do you, what would make your, this is your team. What, what would make you happy? I have a feeling that name might've been very, very high on that list. Um, somebody that he recognized as somebody that may be available due to these, you know, monetary issues and also somebody that Kaká would want to bring in and work with. Um, mm-hmm. I like that idea. Um, you know, I think that's a good thing to have. Um, you want, you know, if Kaká calls and asks you to play for your team, you're going to do that, you know, you're going to be ready to do that in a heartbeat, <laughs> And at the same time, if, you know, if he wants to play with you, that means he sees something in you that there's some chemistry. We've talked a lot about Kaka's chemistry with first Kevin Molino, now with Breck Shea, now with Darwin Sarin. You know, I think that one of the biggest, maybe one of the biggest things we've had a problem with, we don't talk about it much, was I'm not sure Carlos Rivas and Kaka have a lot of chemistry yet. Um, you'll see, I mean, you see it most, once or twice every game that Kaka looks at Rivas and just kind of shakes his head and says, that wasn't it. You know, that wasn't what I was looking for. <laughs> and no fault to Rivas in his game. He's a young player. Um, he'll learn. He will learn. But mm-hmm. for a guy like Kaka who wants to win this year, and he said it early on he wanted to, he's looking to bring in players that understand how he plays. And that can only help the club overall, I think.
0: Yeah, Rivas is very much uh, in the mold of that, that young sort of gunslinger type. He, he would rather shoot the ball. Then try to pass the ball. Yes. For sure. Uh, If he sees any kind of opportunity, he's going to take a rip because he's confident in his abilities. He's seen himself do these things time and time again in training. And there was a point in the New York Red Bulls game where he had the ball and he was coming across and Kaká was wide open on the left side. And I don't know that Rivas didn't see him or just chose to shoot anyway, but you could tell that was not um, a happy moment for Kaká. No,
1: that's exactly the moment yeah. I was thinking about, actually. <laughs> yeah. Exactly so
0: it. Um, it, it may just be that he gets locked in, and that, that his vision will hopefully improve over time because uh, the game will slow down for him a bit. He'll be able to, to see all of the moving pieces. Uh, he may just not have seen him. Uh, I'd like to think that if you see a wide open Ballon d'Or winner, that you'll give him the ball.
1: <laughs> I would. That's just
0: that's that's what I would I would like to to think that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see because Sao Paulo uh being in, in financial difficulty right now, um, the thing that they've been trying to do is to sell Ganso to a European team. Now let's say I don't know how much he'd be worth. I don't think that he would be worth like big, big money on the open market. Um I just I just don't see him as being that type of player. But let's say he could get they could get eight million dollars for him, let's right. say. Now, they still have to turn around and give $4.3 million of that to Orlando City anyway, if that's what they truly owe. Right. Uh, so they're not getting that much out of the deal. I think it's a better deal for the team to give up the player and forgive the debt, uh, and probably it's a better deal for Orlando City to get the money than the player. Right. <laughs> so uh, what that tells me is that it tells me that um, Phil Rollins, Flavio Da Silva, and uh, Paul McDonough and Adrian Heath are ready to say, it's not about the money. We need this player to win. That's what it says to me. I mean, if this, if all this is really happening behind the scenes, and we really don't know if it is, but it's been reported by a reputable writer, so we're talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and you know, there's there's always moving pieces. We don't always understand what they are, but you have to imagine that, A, the offers aren't there in Europe that are going to be enough to cover the the, the, the debt. You know, maybe it's not enough to cover it. You know, maybe only covering a small amount of it. Um or at the same time that you know, again the front office thinks this is a player that we need to have. Um, that would add to the the credence that the Kaká wants him, um, and that that may be it as well. So,
0: and honestly, really that right side is is the thing that's holding this team back from really achieving yeah. its its full capacity as as an offense. Because although he wasn't scoring goals, Kevin Molino was getting into dangerous places early in the season. This was before the team started clicking. Right now. He got injured before the team really started to figure out their chemistry and who they were and their identity and where everybody was going to be on the pitch. You give Kevin Molino three, those three extra weeks or whatever it took, and I mean, there's no telling how many goals that he would have or that Kyle would have or the, the strikers. I mean, all of that could have been uh, – the, the improvement is what I'm trying to say. The improvement we've seen in other players, we would have seen in Kevin, yeah, Kevin Molino Kevin as well. Yeah,
1: for sure, definitely. Yeah. He's a – yeah.
0: So we were already seeing um, him get into dangerous spots and deliver good through balls and all of that. I think he was like in the top couple of players in the league in, in uh, chances created. Was, I think actually, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. he was
1: for a while. Actually, so, after, actually, after his injury, he still was for quite a while. Yeah.
0: So I mean, he was doing that before the team even really built any chemistry and figured each other out yet. So you know, give him those extra few weeks that everybody else had, and I, I think this offense would look a little bit different than what we. have what we've seen. We, we've seen this team have the ability to create great scoring chances, but we've also seen the fact that because so many of the guys that are tasked with scoring goals are young and inexperienced and maybe don't have the composure of a veteran, that we're leaving goals on the table and, and not getting as many points and not, maximo, not, not maximizing the chances that they've got. So honestly, that one right side, if you shore it up, uh, you're looking at a pretty good team and then if everybody gets healthy and you know is is in camp instead of playing for their country. Right. There's no telling there's really no telling what kind of terror this team could go on because you're talking about a team that didn't lose at home for two months. Right. Even though they, they were missing guys left and right. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to just throw this out there because we didn't have a guest this week, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you have anything else you want to talk about this week?
1: You know, I could go back to the red card for days. Well, actually, for really fast. Uh, Not the red card, but just red cards in general. Um, Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it, and and I'm trying to be – you know, I've never been the conspiracy theorist. I'm not the guy who thinks there's a conspiracy against us on MLS. My friends are. Everyone around me is like there's a whole thing about it, but I'm not one of those guys. But the more we get these moments – these red cards that seem kind of in, unsensical by players who are not aggressive. Um, the more I get frustrated by, the, by what's going on, and I started to try to figure out, okay, if it's not a conspiracy, then what is it? You know, one of the things I looked at was, you know, that they, um, the list of uh, who has the most red cards. It's not us. It is, it is Real Salt Lake. Um, but right below us, right behind us, is New York FC. And it makes me wonder if there's something ingrained in either the referee culture that makes them, you know, kind of inherently not understand new players coming to the league. Because these both of these clubs have a lot of new players in the league. Certainly a lot of mm-hmm. veterans of MLS, but certainly a lot of a lot of new players as well. So maybe there's a kind of a soccer cultural gap there somewhere that, you know, what's kind of not really a red card in Europe or in South America is all of a sudden here. Or you also have a situation where you've got players who don't necessarily understand how MLS refs call things. And that's really the only thing I can think of to kind of put a logical spin on this and not just be, they hate us. Um, I, I want to <laughs> think they hate us, too. It's, it's easier, probably. Um, ah, they just hate us, But Yeah, hate and, well, and then I also, also wonder too, about the turf. You brought it up earlier with, with Kyle Lahren and the slide tackle and the turf. I also wondered, too, you know, mo- but then I thought most of our red cards haven't been at home. Uh, most of them have been away from home, and they al- haven't always been on slide tackles, either. You know, Bowden's was two yellow cards, Neither one of my I believe, was a slide tackle. So yeah. I think that, that idea is out. But I do wonder if expansion clubs have a discrepancy in general towards getting more red cards. And maybe something I'll look at for a future article. So.
0: There you go, Mr. Historian. There's something for you to research. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, one thing we do want to talk about before we get on to our um, uh, predictions for our upcoming matches, uh, one thing I did, I did uh, kind of skip over, that – Orlando City also made a trade the other day in uh, picking up Corey Ash from Houston Dynamo. And Corey came in and two two time MLS All Star came in and played uh, his first match against New York Red Bulls. Started for for the suspended Luke Bowden and uh, acquitted himself very well for a guy who had been on the team two days.
1: Yeah, he was really looking to become a uh, a favorite. Uh, he knows I think I guess he knows Luke Bowden's a favorite of the fans. So if he's going to try to replace him in the lineup, he needs to be a fan favorite as well. And he really did come out and really try to win us over. Uh, a lot of hustle. Um had one really good shot on goal, I thought. Um, really seems to fit into the system well. Uh, I think he's kind of a, you know, we have that kind of a unique uh, wing back, uh, you know, with Ramos and Bowden usually. Um, I mm-hmm. think he, his speed fits in there very, very well. And I think he'll give, you know, fan favorite Luke Bowden a run for the money. And I think that that's not a bad thing to have. I think uh, having competition for places is good for all the players. So,
0: Yeah, I think fans like... Players that don't look like athletes necessarily, and he's five five. Yeah. So uh, with with I was joking the other day. I was I mean only half joking, but like with Ramos and and uh, Ash out there, I think the two of them together made one Matt Miazga, uh,
1: <laughs> one they were, they were one like, Colin.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they really were like probably the shortest tandem of of fullbacks that have ever played in an MLS game. Uh, but uh, you know it's it's nice to have him. He's got good good pace. Uh, he seemed to know where to be on the field um you know when he got in the final third that's where that chemistry that lack of chemistry kind of showed um when he got in the final third his passes uh his accuracy fell off tremendously but he was the most accurate passer on the team the other night. he kind of disappeared a little bit in the in the second half and I wonder how much of that had to do with um you know the, the just the temperatures and the and the the fact that he hasn't been playing games, the fitness level kind of, uh, sapping him toward, you know, down the stretch a little bit. But, um, uh, I think he's going to be a good addition to the team. He's, he's a versatile guy. He can play left wing, uh, in a pinch and he can play the fullback position. So, um, you know, for my money, a good pickup.
1: Yeah. I think so too. I was, I was very pleased. I, I was pleased before we picked him up to, to see the name come through. And then, uh, it's somebody I knew from his club when he played in the gold cup, um, one of our winning teams, the gold cup a few years back. Um, so certainly a good pickup for us, I think, and definitely gives us some depth. We we need depth, and I think he gives us a lot of that. So,
0: yeah, agreed. All right,
1: so let's get on before we get out of
0: here. Let's get to our predictions. I, I need your prediction for U.S. Open Cup match uh, against Chicago Fire on the road, and
1: um, what do
0: you think is going to happen at Yankee Stadium on Sunday?
1: So Chicago first. Um, I'm I'm really I'm really big on the uh, the Open Cup this year for the team. I really, really want to win it, and I think you've got players who are, are banned from the New York game um, who can play in this one. So I think you're going to see a Kyle Laren and a Christian Higuita who really, really want to play a, you know good do a good represent, representative of themselves playing this week. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a critical for us. I think you'll see a full strength full strength squad. Um, you'll see no red cards, I hope. Um, and we haven't, you know, we haven't had that problem in the Open Cup, so I, I think it'll continue. Um, knock on wood. I'll got it right here. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think I think we win. I think that I think we'll bring a full strength full strength squad against a Chicago team that's still, I think, trying to find themselves. Um, they kind of are a strange enigma of a team this year. Um, I think, yeah, I think we win. I think we win comfortably. You know, probably a two nothing, three one, something like that. So I think we'll do hmm. well. Um, I think New York in New York is going to be hard. Uh, second game on the road. Um, and then, you know what? It's the fourth or fifth game in, you know, two weeks. So um, I think it's going to be a very, very hard game for us to play. Um, you, you know, Yankee seems weird. Um, it's a strange yeah. configuration. The same way we have a, an advantage playing the Citrus Bowl with the way it is with the heat and the turf. I think they have an advantage there for the fact that the configuration of that stadium is strange. Um, but I think at the same time, if they're trying to incorporate Lampard and they're trying to incorporate maybe Pirlo, maybe not, who knows? You know, you kind of have to wonder if that will hurt their chemistry at all during that game. And I don't, I haven't seen a, any predicted lineups for this game, so I don't know what it will be. But, um, but I think it could be. Comp- I think it will be competitive, and I think that that our players will rise to the occasion as they always do. I don't think Adrian Heath led clubs, although he won't be leading on the field; he'll still be leading the club in general. Uh, they don't they don't lose three games in a row. Uh that's not something we do. And um so I think you're gonna see a very, very competitive game that Orlando is gonna fight to win. Um I'm not sure we can win it, but I think they're gonna fight to win it. Um the optimists in me will say we we pull off a one nothing win and head home for Orlando, but that's optimistic, I think. All right. Well um What about you? Yeah, Yeah,
0: I'm putting me on the spot. I think that um I agree with you with most of what you said about the Chicago game. I don't know that it'll be a blowout. I think maybe it's going to be a two-one game. I'm I'm actually I'm not big on predicting Orlando City to win, but I'm I'm going to predict the two-one win in that one. Um, mostly the reason why is because I hate to actually predict it and be right. Yeah. You know? sure. uh, if they're or be wrong if they if they lose and I predict them to win, I'm wrong on two counts. But <laughs> if I predict them to lose and they win, it's like hey, I'm happy I was wrong. Um, New York City. FC is going to be a tough one to pl- to win because of, like you said, the Yankee stadium configuration. If you're not used to it, it's going to take very, very quick passing, very quick one-touch passing because the, the, the narrow field compacts everything. Right. Um, part of me thinks that can work in our favor, and part of me thinks that um, we've had some issues in the final third with connecting, and that could you know, certainly hurt us. And I think David V is a great player in for this type of environment. I think he thrives in this type of environment. Um, and I, th- I also think that they're going to have a, a huge amount of support uh, for Lampard if he's if it's his debut. Um, you know, everybody's going to be working hard to get him a successful debut, the way Gerard had for uh, right.
1: for LA Galaxy. I thought about that too, yeah. Um,
0: so I'm, I'm going to hope that we can get out of there with a two-two tie. That's what I'm going to hope for.
1: I like it. And that's it. I think that's, that's, that's I, I think that's it. I mean, we, we just need to stop the
0: bleeding, just need to stop the bleeding. Plus we've met New York twice, once in the preseason, once in the regular season, and there's been no winner. So yeah. <laughs> let's just continue that battle just throughout the rest of the season. Um, So I think that's the podcast, Kevin. I mean, uh, you know, just so many things to talk about. We didn't even really get a chance to bring in any guests this week, but we've already played Chicago this year. We've already played New York city. We, we had brought in Rafa early in the year to to talk to him about New York City FC, and we play them again, so we can talk talk to him again when we do that. But I just thought with this many games and the trades, and the All Star stuff, and the transfer window stuff, it was just too much to bring in a guest. But uh, so hopefully, just people didn't get sick of just listening to you and me banter the whole time.
1: Well, I think that you know, <laughs> despite the two rough losses against Dallas and New York uh, Red Bulls. I think that it's a good time to be an Orlando City fan, and I think there is a lot of good things on the horizon for us to, to look forward to. So I think you're, you're probably right for us to have a chance to kind of highlight some of those really, really good things and kind of offset the New York game by highlighting the uh, All-Star game and the, the West Brom game and some good moments in Orlando City's uh, week this week as well. So,
0: All right, well, that'll do it. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at the Mainland. And that's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D. Maine is like a lion's mane because it's a pun. And uh, we are at themainland.com if you want to read our material. So if you're one of those people that have uh, found us on uh, iTunes, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please leave us feedback and, and rate our podcast on iTunes, and we would appreciate that. And uh, for Kevin Mercer, I'm Michael Citro signing off till next week saying go city.
1: Go city.